This morning's Old Testament uh, scripture passage uh, comes from uh, Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. And then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in, his majesty, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the, the one of peace. If the Assyrians come into our land and tread upon soil, we will raise against them seven shepherds and eight installed as rulers. And the gospel reading this morning from the New Testament is Luke uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 39 In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to the Judean town, to the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt, leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. May we be grateful for the hearing, reading, and understanding of this word. Let us pray. Lord, we always give you thanks for Scripture. We thank you that you've inspired this, these words and that you still speak to us today as we read them. So Lord, help us to open our ears and our hearts again to continue to hear what you would have to say to us today. Help us to go back to this, these scriptures today if something jumped out to us as they were read. And Lord, help us to leave this place today uh, in response to all the great things that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So it is indeed a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful life. George Bailey was a man from Bedford Falls, New York, and at age 12, he, he saved his younger brother, Harry, who fell in that ice pond. You remember that? In 1928, on his graduation night, he discussed the plans that he had to travel and to build things with one of his classmates, but George uh, soon finds out that his father had a stroke. And when his father ends up dying, uh, George kind of postpones his own plans in order to start the family business or to, to help uh, sort out the family business, rather, which was uh, Bailey Brothers uh, building and loan. So meanwhile, as this is going on, the meanest and richest man in town, Mr. Potter, is, is uh, irritated by this. And Potter, or... Potter, Harry Potter. I think it was Harry Potter, wasn't it? 
No one knows? Okay, back to the sermon. So Potter kind of wanted to dissolve um, this company, the Bailey's company, but George kind of talks the the board of directors out of it, and they they agree as as long as George would be the one to run the company. So George agrees and gives up his own plans for college. Uh, He gives his college money to his brother Harry for his own education, but the hope was that when Harry got his education, he would come back and then be equipped to kind of take over the company, but that's not what happens in the movie. As, as one day, Harry comes home, and all of a sudden, he has a wife, and, and all of a sudden, his father-in-law offers him a job. So now George is kind of in a pickle. So Harry wants uh, to keep his promise to George, but George doesn't want to deny his brother this wonderful opportunity, so he continues to run the, the, the building and loan company. So you start to get the vibe already in this movie that George Bailey's a, a good man, He's, he's someone who puts others first. He's uh, rather unselfish and, you know, good biblical characteristics for what it can look like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, someone who puts others first, who loves people. And in the scripture reading this morning, we encounter uh, Mary with Elizabeth. We encounter them together. Mary's just been notified by the angel Gabriel that she will be the one giving birth to God's only son and that she is to name him Jesus. Now talk about a big day when an angel appears to you as a, as a teenage girl and, the, and kind of like a, um, and, and not a well-to-do person. And all of a sudden, um, she's the one um, that is going to give birth to Christ. And that's a big day. Um, that's a day that takes a while to wrap your mind around. So at this time, of course, she's engaged to Joseph, and how's that going to work out? And, you know, the angel told her that, you know, she's still going to uh, be a virgin and that the, uh, the conception of this child is by the Holy Spirit. So Mary embraces this news. She, she um, takes it with faith, and she, she moves forward. And Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant with John the Baptist, they meet together. And when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby within her leapt and jumped with joy. And there's a moment of worship that comes from Mary in this moment. And many of us, um, um, or, you know, throughout uh, the church call this uh, the Magnificat. So when Mary um, responds to this kind of fulfillment of what uh, was spoken to her, um, this is Mary's song of praise. Just listen to these words. And some of these we sang this morning um, about our souls magnifying the Lord. This is Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise that he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. So Mary has this response, this 
this time of worship. She's praising God enthusiastically as her savior. And she embraced this crazy calling and message um, that was given to her. She embraced it and she moved forward. And of course, as chaotic and, and, and hectic and overwhelming as this story must have been for her, in particular on that night, as she goes into labor, into, in the midst of it all, a Savior is born. And Mary chooses to be obedient, even when her calling sounds completely absurd. It sounds crazy, but yet she chose to be obedient. You think about stories in Scripture where this happens. You think of Noah building the ark, you know. Noah's being obedient, but, but that just sounds absurd. You know, Moses is being obedient when, after all the excuses he can figure out, still is understanding that God is calling him to be the one to go rescue the Israelites from slavery. That just sounds ridiculous and absurd, but yet Moses obeys and goes. You think of Mary. It just sounds absurd, but she's obedient and embraces what God has called her to in that season of her life. And sometimes there is absolute absurdity in being obedient. When we look at Jesus' teachings, it just sounds absurd to love our enemies. It sounds absurd to pray for those who persecute us. It sounds absurd to turn the other cheek. And for Mary, it sounded absurd to be pregnant with the Son of God. But she was obedient. And I think that's a a lesson for us in the midst of this today, is that obedience to God can look like absurdity to others. It just doesn't seem right sometimes, but when we follow the teachings of Jesus, it's who we're called to be, but that sometimes looks absurd to others. You know, I think it's a reminder to us this week as we go and as we celebrate um, this, this season of Christmas that is getting closer and closer. And I just wonder today if anyone's feeling overwhelmed, if anyone's feeling uh, maybe not even paying attention to a word I'm saying until this moment because you've been thinking about what you have to do today or thinking about what's uh, going on next or the, the family gatherings or the dinners or, um, uh, you know, how late is this store going to be open? Are they even open on Christmas Eve? Because that would be great if I had that one extra day. You know, so we're thinking of all these things that may be coming up, and, and sometimes we, we miss the moment. We miss uh, what's, what's important in the midst of those times. And, um, you know, or maybe there's just problems in family or problems at work or um, health issues, things like that, and, uh, or financial problems. And there's just, there's just something that's... Um, distracting us maybe from, from what we know is the, is the true meaning and, and the opportunities that we have to worship Christ in the midst of this. And, you know, as the movie um, uh, continues here, um, oops, um, so we get to a place in this movie um, for those of you who have seen it, and if you haven't, I'll share with you what happens here, is that George gets to a place where he's stressed. He gets to a place where, where all of a sudden he's overwhelmed, and for him it was a financial reason in particular. 
it, it, was, it was that moment in the movie where um, he's been pretty unselfish up to that point, and he's, he's giving up his own plans for the sake of others, and um, he postpones his own honeymoon um, when he gets married. He's unable to list in, in World War II because of a bad ear that he has from from rescuing um, his brother Harry in the ice pond. So, so because of his uh, selflessness, um, he can't um, enlist in the war. Um, but George's brother Harry gets a chance to do that, and he's awarded the Medal of Honor in the midst of that. So the scene is, is in the movie where they're preparing for a homecoming on Christmas Eve morning for George's uh, brother. And um, George's, uncle pot, uh, go, uh, George's uncle goes to the bank, Potter's Bank, uh, to deposit $8,000 for the company. And of course, what happens, the money is somehow left behind, and it doesn't get deposited. And after he can't find the money, he finally tells George, and he lets George know. And George loses his cool, doesn't he? He goes crazy. He yells at his Uncle Billy. He, he goes home, and he uh, destroys the living room. Um, and that absolutely frightens his family, and he apologizes, and then he leaves. And, and eventually, George can't um, seem to get a loan for the missing money and finds out that he's worth more if he weren't even alive. And it's Christmas Eve, and he's overwhelmed, and everything is on his shoulders. He goes off, he gets drunk, he gets in a bar fight, and he crashes his car into a tree. It's amazing how quick sometimes things can happen just like that um, in a moment of, of just... Um, going down the wrong path, and so quickly. And he's not thinking clearly. And he's, he gets to a point where um, he's so overwhelmed, he just thinks, you know, life just might be better off without George Bailey. Maybe this world would be better off without me. And maybe, you know, we've been that low before, but George, honestly, he's not thinking clearly. And before George can jump off this bridge, he sees this man uh, swimming in the water, well, who needs a lot of help. He's actually drowning in the water. And, and if George is willing to put off other things in his life, like his college education or to postpone his honeymoon and all these things, he can postpone jumping off the bridge to go help save someone's life. So that's what he does. He goes and he successfully rescues this man whose name is what? Clarence, yes, he goes and he rescues Clarence, who uh, George finds out is, is his guardian angel. But George doesn't believe him, and he wished he had never been born. So Clarence then takes time to show George what life would look like if George Bailey were never born. And that's in the film where you begin to see what life would look like for him, what life was going to look like without him. So George begins to discover that Bedford Falls is, is called Pottersville. It's filled with bars and casinos and strip clubs. And the pharmacist that George helped out from making a big mistake ended up going to jail for manslaughter. George's father's business would end up failing. George finds out that in a graveyard, his brother ended up dying in that, uh, at a young age because no one was there to rescue him in that ice pond as a young child. Because of the hundreds of people that Harry would save in the war, they no longer could be saved because Harry wasn't alive at that time. So now all of a sudden, other people have lost their lives because George wasn't there 
George sees uh, his wife Mary in the library, and she doesn't know who he is, which means they were never together, which means his kids were never born. And then Clarence, uh, the guardian angel, says something to George. He says, it's strange, isn't it, that each man's life touches so many other lives that when he isn't around, it leaves an awful hole. And he says, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it all away? In that moment of weakness, don't you see what a huge mistake that would be? And George actually begins to see and envision that his life has impact. That there was good that had come because of him, because of his life. And, and he gets to that point where he wants to take back his wish to not be around. And he, he begs for that second chance. And uh, eventually he, he kind of prays to God. He says, God, I want to live again. And he gets that chance. And he realizes uh, that he has that chance. And if you can um, switch to that slide there, um, the next one where his hands are in the air. Uh, this is one of those famous um, pictures when he realizes the town is back to normal and, and that this is, uh, things have, have, um, uh, have been kind of back to the way they were. And he celebrates and he's joyous and he's excited and he runs back into town and he still has that $8,000 problem though. But he finds out when he gets back that his, mar um, his wife and his uncle kind of rallied the townspeople together to donate enough to cover that $8,000. And then the scene ends, uh, or, or one of the last scenes of the movie where they're in the house, they, they gather around and they sing joyfully um, a good old Charles Wesley Methodist hymn, uh, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, and they sing together. Um, and then, of course, the, the bell rings on the Christmas tree, and uh, Clarence has uh, earned his wings. But the movie, this movie serves as a powerful reminder uh, that we each have value, that every person has value, that sometimes we may think we don't matter, sometimes we, think, we may think that, um, you know, we don't make a big impact on the lives of other people, but, but you never know who may be watching you may, you may never know the impact that your life has made on other people, on other children, on family. You just may never know how important and valued you are. And I think that's a reminder today that we are valued people, that we are loved by God, we are created by God, and all of us have sacred worth, no matter the choices we've made, where we've been in our own lives. And just think about the impact uh, that, that your life uh, can make on others and has made on other people. I think of uh, uh, someone I know from a church that I grew up in, and um, he shared a story one time about how he was feeling like George Bailey, that, that he just thought life would be uh, better off without him, and, and, and he was just in a very, very low place. And in fact, he was kind of on his way to, to making a decision to say, you know what, maybe the world doesn't need to be with me. And all of a sudden, he came out of this store and he bumped into this woman um, who has passed away now. It's my best friend's uh, grandmother. And he bumps into her and she just is overjoyed to see him. And she just, you know, um, begins to talk with him and, and just begins to say, um, Eventually, she invites him to church, 
the next day or a couple days later, whenever it may be. And she says, oh, why don't you come to church with us? Or just come and, and, and be with me in, in the service. And he's like, of course, like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll come. So the next day, or whenever it was, a couple days later, um, as he's thinking of taking his own life, he, he thinks, you know, what the heck? You know, maybe I'll just go and, um, and see this service or whatever. But he wants to show up a little late because coming to a church, you know, early and things like that, and it's just awkward sometimes, right? And sometimes those doors are the heaviest doors in the world, the doors to the church, and people are just nervous. And, and so I think he just wanted to kind of show up and kind of slip in when the service had started. And um, he shared that, and this is, a, this is a model that I've never forgotten and what it looks like to be someone who loves people. And this was like one of the saints of the church. I mean, this, this woman just oozed the love of God. I mean, and she was, you know, well-known in the community and in the church. And he comes around the corner and he's walking to this church. And the service had already started. And he comes around the corner and she is standing outside on the church steps waiting for him. The service had already started, and she was just standing there hoping that he would show up. Now, that is a model of love. A woman who could have said, well, maybe he just won't come. I don't want to miss the beginning of the service. No, she said, I'm going to go wait for this man. And to this day, um, he has been involved in the church. He has uh, turned his life over to Christ. He, he, he sings. He, he worships. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. But and I often wonder if how often he thinks back to her and how often, he think, how often he thinks, you know, maybe I wouldn't be around if it weren't for her. And I wouldn't be married now and have grandkids and just a family that I can love had it not been for her. So you never know that impact that we make. And, and I think about that often. And this morning, um, it's a reminder for us. It's a reminder that we need to be building people up and loving people and encouraging them. And it's a reminder that we have value because there's only one of me. There's only one of you. Our fingerprints are unique. And God has created us with our own gifts and graces. And our lives do matter. And they do make an impact. But in the midst of the hustle and bustle and the, and the, um, the stress, sometimes we stop, we don't stop enough to, to acknowledge God's presence with us and the importance of this season. I had this moment last night as I was, um, we were out together as a family and uh, going from one place to another and we just happened to say, um, uh, well, let's just um, drive down the, the avenue in Rehoboth and just do a loop and, and everything. So we get down there to the bandstand, and there's a big tree and um, lit up, and we come around the corner by Dolly's there, and all of a sudden, we, the windows are down, and we hear the, the moon, by the way. Oh, my gosh. If y'all haven't seen the moon, you, I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I just, you know me and, and moon and stars, and I, I just, I'm so in a state of worship when it comes to being out in creation like that. 
Well, anyway, it wasn't freezing cold by any means last night. So it was just a beautiful night. And as we come around the corner, there's just these three or four just people. There's no crowd around them or anything. And they're just sitting there with like a trumpet and um, trombone and a couple other things. I don't know. <laughs> but like musical stuff, you know. <laughs> and they're just, they're just playing like Christmas hymns. And I got to tell you, it was one of those moments, and I just kind of looked at my wife and was like, I got to get out. I got to get out and go. Like, I, I'm sorry. And so we just pulled into this, like, 20-minute loading zone, and I just, like, got out of the van and just ran. And, and there's a um, picture here. My uh, pad's not working here, but um, there's a picture of the moon that I got last night, and that was... Um, and of course, you know, a little smartphone doesn't do justice to that. But for me, to just stop in the midst of uh, busyness and thinking about sermons and uh, what we got to do before Christmas Eve and to, to hear Silent Night or Heart the Herald in the background as just looking at that on the Atlantic Ocean and the bright moon and the reflection, it was just one of those moments where... I almost forced myself to stop and to just praise God and to just be reminded um, how little I am, um, but also how valued I know God feels about all of creation. And uh, these are the types of moments that I want to encourage you to find um, in the next couple days. Uh, and for me to continue to find, because those are the moments where we stop and experience God in the midst of, of moments that are just hectic and chaotic. And we've got things to do, and I know that, and I've got things to do, but, but let's not miss out on, on the present moment. Let us stop and, and, and really think about the birth of Christ in the next couple days and find those moments to, to stop and recognize it and don't miss it because it's coming. And we're going to celebrate God being with us, Emmanuel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are with us. Help us to be reminded that sometimes being obedient to you may look like absurdity to others. As plenty of people in Scripture were obedient to you in ways that may have just looked ridiculous to others. But Lord, help us to follow your teachings, no matter how that may look. Help us to love with all that we have. Help us to grow in that love for you and our love for people. And Lord, in, this, in these next couple days, as schedules may increase and time may seem to disappear, help us to stop and to be present in those moments where we can just give you praise and we can just pray to you and be grateful for you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.